Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the From the Stands podcast. I am Sean, joined as always by my brother, Ian. We are joined by a very special guest today, new to our show, Vivek Jacob, writer for Raptors.com, CBSSports.com, Complex Canada, and a contributor to the Locked On Raptors podcast. Vivek, you're a busy guy. Thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> you got to be as a freelancer, man. Whatever keeps the, the rent paid. <laughs> Absolutely. I think I said CBS. It's CBC. Just to, just Correct. For, just yeah, to, just to make go. sure that we're, we're keeping that together. Um, Ian, we were going to talk Raptors, but I know, and we're going to get there, but I do know that you had something that you wanted to bring up right off the top. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Vivek, huge fan. It's it's great to have you here. Um, we want to talk hoops, right? Like, that's why we're all here. We always want to talk hoops. But there was a pretty significant announcement today um, from the WTA as they are suspending tournaments in China. Um, sounds like indefinitely, you yeah. know, and, and a lot of this, obviously, um, because of the disappearance of, of tennis star Peng Shui. So I, I got to ask. How significant is a move like this? It's massive because when you look at, especially the way other leagues have kind of sidestepped these types of issues, um, and especially when this type of stuff, not to say that Peng Shui type stuff has happened, but when they've had the opportunity to speak out, they've sidestepped it because of the commercial interests, right? And so for the WTA to just flat out come out and say, that you know this human is more valuable than the commercial interests that's significant because no one else has really seemed to take to take that step yet and so i think from that standpoint it's huge uh and hopefully you know we get to a point where we get to see Peng Shui speak for herself and uh sort of verify her safety um, because i feel like the stuff that has been put out there courtesy the ioc and whatnot it's it's a little up in the air. I'll put it that way. Yeah. And, and for, for those that are listening, j- just for some context, these figures were put out by Rick Westhead today. If you recognize the name, Rick is like the OG in investigative reporting. He's the one who broke the Blackhawk scandal, everything else. So Rick's the man. Um, WTA generates one third of its revenue in China. Seven of the top 30 women's tennis events by prize money, ranked by prize money, are in China. So, you know, as Vivek's getting to, very, very significant. I, I'm as a as someone who um, obviously is a fan of tennis. I commend the, the WTA. This is this was a huge deal today. I think you're absolutely right. It's not yeah. just yeah. Go ahead, Vivek. Sorry, buddy. Oh no, no, no. You go ahead, John. I was just going to say because it's not just the events. It's not just the viewership, sponsorship, the sponsorship money that comes out of China. That's why everyone has been so scared to say anything in general. You know, we had the Daryl Morey thing last year. Um, you know, LeBron was asked about it. He, he was one that I respect for always coming out and speaking his mind. He sidestepped that question, which is not like him. This, this is a massive, massive story. And it, it was, it was, it's honestly commendable. It's commendable. It's like Aurora, but they were able to just stand up and be like, you know what? The safety of our players this player in general, but also the the report was saying that their players just weren't feeling safe traveling there. Throw up, throw up their hands. That uh, it's commendable. Any any last words on the WTA and and tennis as a whole? Is, will this be affected? I, you have to think viewership will be affected in some capacity, but 
Do you think you get a little bit of a bump from North America and and, and just in the attention that's going that this is going to bring? Uh, you know, I think that's a really interesting question, Sean, just because of who the tennis audience is, right? And is, you know, for example, Naomi Osaka being vocal about mental health and uh, Iga Swiatek has obviously been very vocal about it as well more recently. Um, is there going to be a sort of a changing of the guard in terms of what a tennis fan base looks like? Because uh, let's face it, there's a lot of uh, the older generation that will struggle to get behind this stuff. Right. And, yep. uh, and so is there that now that next gen that, that, you know, we call it, we call the next gen in tennis uh, that are playing out there. Uh, but in terms of the fan base, is there that next gen that's going to look at this and say, okay, yeah, this is the type of uh, sport uh, and sort of sporting organization that I want to support media give this the coverage it deserves it deserves all the attention make sure that it gets this should be front of your docket news it is something that i didn't think that we would see it's great that yeah. we saw it so on that note let's pivot to the national basketball association most more specifically to our toronto raptors a um, little bit of background on us Vivek. i love basketball but i grew up a piston fan because my dad was living in Windsor, he was a Piston fan, so I grew up a Piston fan. Ian immediately was a Raptors fan. Over time, being a guy from Toronto, I was worn down to the Raptors. I became a full-time Raptors fan. So, again, I know that my fandom does not match up to my brothers who's in and out, day in, day out. And I'm kind of a converted fan. So, hand up to me. <laughs> but... And my brother is the, the basketball guy. So we, this this is going to be a lot of, obviously, we really want to get your takes. If he jumps in, just know he's the, he's the hoops guy here. The Raptors no, I want to hear all of it. We're, we're going to talk about it. And uh, that's with starting with the Raptors who are nine. I'm not shy. Don't you worry about that. Yeah, oh, Don't I know. worry about that. <laughs> yeah. If we pivot to hockey, which I know we're not going to, that's when, you know, that's when I'm going to start screaming. But um, nine and 13 are the Toronto Raptors. And we want to start macro. Like, we don't want to just dive into last night's. I want to start macro with you, Vivek, in, with this simple question. I know that injuries are going to be a big storyline of what we talk about today. But if you just look at this roster on paper, to you, does it make sense? Uh, to me, it does not make sense long term. Uh, to me, my fundamental belief in terms of building a champion team is always that you need to be like a Swiss army knife and you need to be able to play different styles. You need to be able to tackle different matchups. And right now the Raptors have a very specific method of success. And so if they can't attain success that way, it's just not going to happen. Uh, and uh, I think, and that's where, again, I'll go to the short term then and say, okay, they're going all in on this for one year. Will it go beyond that? That's what I'll be curious to see. If it goes beyond that, then I think that might be excessive because one of the things, I, you know, when I watch the Raptors now is it does give me flashbacks to the Houston Rockets after they traded Clint Capella. And we saw as much as, you know, you had that switchability and you had, you know, Robert Covington protecting the rim and roaming. There's only so much that covering that you can do. And even if you play the 20 seconds of great defense, you know, getting on the glass, all of that, eventually it just gets really, really difficult. So uh, that's what I kind of think about. 
when I look at this style of play. And so long-term, when I look at Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi, and if that's the core that you want to build around and Fred Van Vliet, obviously, the five-man has to be a stretch big. Mm -hmm. It has to be someone that can shoot the ball and space the floor because, uh, and also, you know, anchor or defense. That's Miles Turner. Miles Turner would like a word. (laughs) Miles Turner would very much like a word. So so you're aligned with, 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 with Mr. William Liu on this. I think he mentioned his 10 things yesterday, stretch big. That's where you see the fifth piece. No question. No question about it. Because, uh, when you look at the spacing on the floor, when you look at, uh, how this team needs to function at its best, I, I think that's what you need. And you look at, the 2019-20 season, uh, the way Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka functioned, you know, that's the type of big that would be right. most productive uh, with this lineup that you have. And so, and so, in some ways, you know, I was a, I was a huge go get Rashawn Holmes guy in the off season, but now having watched them play, you know, I, I can see why maybe they, they'd say, hey, maybe we can just save this money for someone that really fits the team. And and the one thing I will say, again, focusing on this year is Ken Birch towards the end of the season was at least shooting that corner three. Mm-hmm. And that's something that he hasn't really done this season and he needs to do once he's back out there. You, I mean, you even see uh, the difference it makes when Precious is making that outside shot every once right. in a while. Right. right? Uh, and and so to me, that's just a huge. It's it's just staring at you. You need a five that can stretch the floor. So I asked the question, did it make sense to you? And so then I'll, I'll ask this because I had expectations of this team making the playoffs. I, I might I don't feel like I was in a minority there, but maybe I was. I had expectations of this team making the playoffs just because of looking at the Fred VanVleet, Siakam, OG, and Anobi. The the I thought didn't think Barnes was going to get this many reps this early. He I was clearly wrong on that. Was this team supposed to make sense? Because you already got Raptors Twitter coming out now with the mm-hmm. tanks and everything like that. Was this team supposed to make sense and compete? Or was this always about getting the young guys reps and, and, and working in these new uh, n- new long-term assets? So now when you ask that, you know, to go back to your first question, I will say, you know, it doesn't make sense for a championship team to look like this. But we know this is not a championship team. So in terms of what they're trying to accomplish this season, there is some sense in that, right? Uh, and, and so, you know, while you're getting to that championship level, while you're trying to figure out what works and what doesn't, the other thing I am a big proponent of is asking hard questions. And even if it's a hard no at the end of it, I'd rather learn and know. And so even if hypothetically, you know, the Raptors front office, say Nick Nurse, they looked at that Houston Rockets experiment and said, hey, we can do it way better, right? Now they get to learn whether they can. And that'll inform their decisions next offseason on which way to go. So I think a lot of this comes down to expectation, right? And it it kind of feels like, there really wasn't any, right? Like if they stumble and they bumble and they find a way to a top five pick, amazing. If, you know, they make a play and run, great. Look at the spunky Raptors go. If they get a five seed or a six seed, 
Messiah and nurse forever, right? Like there's really no downside. And I think, you know, we talked about some of the downsides, but let's, let's really quick, just on the, on the, on the grander scale, let's talk about some of the positives. What, what has encouraged you about the Raptors play so far? And I know for the past two weeks, particularly the road trip and the last few games, obviously there's not a ton there, but you know, you're as tapped in on this as anybody. What what have you seen that you're really encouraged by? I mean, number one is Scotty Barnes. <laughs> it's going to be Scotty Barnes, Scotty right. Barnes, Scotty <laughs> Barnes. I mean, that kid is special. Like, I, I th- I've i said this before um, on the Lockdown Raptors podcast. Uh, I genuinely believe by the end of his rookie contract, he will be in the conversation to make all NBA teams. Um, I think he's that good. Uh, I think this is someone who, if he continues to push and we talk about asking hard questions and finding out ASAP, guess what? When they look at Pascal Siakam on the floor right now, it's like, we need to give you more spacing, Scotty. We need you to shoot threes. And so you're accelerating his development in that regard saying, Hey, just get those shots up. And if that three point shot, uh, gets going, uh, then, then the league's in trouble. Like, if he has a three-point shot and we've seen where he can do, uh, you know, around the edges of the paint, if he can defend, you know, I, I think the one thing he has an issue with defensively is getting blown by. And, and that we've seen a bit too much of. Um, he's been a little up and down, which is normal for a rookie. But I think if those facets of his game come together, you go from, being an all NBA caliber player to being an MVP candidate. Right. Um, and, and so that's, that's the biggest thing for me. When I look at this Raptors team more and more, as he comes along, they are going to have to shift the offense more and more towards him. Uh, and Pascal can play off him. OG can play off him. Fred can play off him. Uh, but I think as the season progresses, they're going to realize he's that good. And that's just the way the offense has to be. So, so, you're, so you're in the windhorse camp the, of he should be the focal point of, of the decision-making of the Toronto Raptors moving forward. The team should be built around him and what makes him excel because him being at his best gives them the highest ceiling. Yes, absolutely. No question about it, in my opinion. Um, and But the thing I will add to that is there's been some of this chatter about, oh, Pascal and Scotty don't fit together. But my argument. They've barely against, played. Yeah. Exactly. No. Uh, And, and for me, yeah, of course there's going to be some growing pains in figuring it out. He's a rookie and then they're playing together for the first time. And Pascal Siakam is coming off of surgery. Like give them some time to figure it out. And here's the thing. If you think Scotty Barnes is going to be that good one day, what's the one thing you always say about superstars when they come together on a team? they'll figure it out. Yes. Right. So you can't think that Scotty Barnes is going to be a superstar and also think he can't figure out how to play with Pascal Siakam. That can be said for everyone, but the 2021, 2022 Lakers, I think (laughs) that's probably the only one. Well, the problem is the guy we're talking about isn't a star anymore. Right. I mean, I think that's the problem. And And while we're talking about things that are encouraging, I think you sort of alluded to it. Pascal Siakam's coming off surgery and yeah, the efficiency isn't there yet. And yes, he's driving into clogged paints, 
you have to be encouraged by the start, right? Particularly the playmaking. If if this is the version of like an okay Pascal Siakam and he's giving you 18, seven and then about four assists, that's pretty good. I don't know how many yeah. players who are in okay form that can do that. That's like peak Andrew Wiggins right now. And everyone's just <laughs> slurping this guy peak. It, it, this is just like trade Siakam for Sabonis and give up the first round picks for Sabonis. I'm not trying to throw water on all this, but we should probably talk about some of the things that haven't worked unless Ian, you want to stay rainbows and butterflies for a few more minutes. Well, they, I think the only other oh, thing that needs Fred, to be mentioned Fred. is Fred Van Bleed is yeah. he's special. Right. And it's really hard for a little guy, like, like a genuine little guy. You know what I'm saying? Like we, we talk like, Oh, Steph Curry's a little guy, but he's six, four, right. Six, three, six, four for a guy that like they posted a picture. I think William Lou actually oddly enough posted a picture and it's him and Freddie. And it feels like he's standing next to like Freddie standing next to Shaq. Like Freddie is so small for him to impact the game like this. That is a special, that takes a special, not just a player, but a special person because in this league to be that tiny, it's just tougher. And I think the biggest thing is every time there's been a problem presented to him, he's able to look at it dead on and say, okay, this is how we're going to attack it. This is how we're going to fix it. Right. Like I think about the championship season and he could have just rode the laurels of what happened in the conference finals and the NBA finals and said, I'm here. But no, he looked at what happened against Orlando, what happened against Philly and saw how that length really bothered him and said, I need to figure something out here. And so he extended his range. Then the next season playing, you know, whether it was before the bubble, during the bubble, he realized that teams knew he was either going to pull up for the three or he was going to go all the way to the rim. And so you guarded one or the other and you took away because you knew he wasn't comfortable in the mid range. Right. And then he's seen that and he said, okay, I got to get a mid range game. And now he's got that. And defensively to me, he's one of the best guards in the league. Hands down, no I mean, question. Without question, definitely. If if he's if he's not on an all defensive team this season, it would just be a mockery of those team selections. I mean, with all due respect to the improvements Gary Trent Jr. has made, it oh, yeah. is frankly an insult to see him in in these lists. Yes, for yes. defensive player of the yes. year, and <laughs> Fred Bentley is right there. Great point. Just just roll back the tape. 2019 finals, roll back the tape. Oh, and this isn't difficult. Even just this year. And so you, you mentioned defense and you wrote a great article. I think it was raptors.com um, uh, when they were eight and 10, just before they went to Memphis and Indiana. And, you know, you'd mentioned, you mentioned the defense. And so my question to you is, they, aside from the, the opening night against Washington, they had a pretty good start to the season. They were buzzing. Scotty was getting a lot of praise and media, justifiably. OG, yeah, he he had good games and bad games, but he was trying to be a primary shot creator. That's going to happen with a guy who's never done that before. And obviously, Freddie played well. There was there were some moments. Hasn't looked that way the last couple of weeks. Is 
Is the biggest different difference defense? Because I know Twitter like saying, well, Siakam came back, and that means that, this, that he's the problem. Well, no, it's not that simple. They've also had half their team out as well. What have you been seeing from the Raptors that's different, you know, 10 games into the season versus the last 10 games? Well, for one, I think there is something to be said for a, a new team playing a new style and other teams having to adjust to that for a little bit. Uh, and I think that's what the Raptors escaped with early on, where uh, teams really didn't know what they were getting hit by. And especially, you know, those games where Scotty Barnes is taking over the right. offense. Especially with Scotty. Yeah. They, they haven't seen that before. <laughs> they don't know how to react to it. Uh, and, and so I think there was a bit of that. And team saw that and they, they saw the way the Raptors were attacking the offensive glass. And they said, we're going to give you a taste of your own medicine. And, and now you see how much the Raptors get punished on the defensive glass. It's like, even right. when they play good defense, the 20 seconds, 24 seconds of good defense, it doesn't matter. They're giving up the offensive board. It's a putback. It's an open three on a kickout, whatever it is. And there it goes. So, um, I think part of that is adjustments. I think part of that is also, um, I will say off the top, the biggest part is the, the miscommunication has just been off the charts uh, of late, uh, especially on that road trip. Some of that is guys being in and out of the lineup and just different rotations and having to just figure that out. Um, but, you know, I thought it was really telling when uh, we were at practice uh, a few days ago uh, and we were talking to Nick and Fred about the defensive miscommunication. And when Fred was giving an example, he was literally talking about, Hey, when the opposing big is coming out to set a screen, someone's got to call that out. Right. So if that's where the level of communication is right now, I mean, let's face it. You're most people are calling that in pickup. Like if you're not calling that, there's serious issues. And, and that again comes down to, uh, you know, Sveen Mahalok was talking about how, hey, in practice, it's kind of easy because you don't have to communicate as much. There's no crowd involved. You can literally hear the player's shoes squeaking and know what's coming, right? <laughs> and, and so little things like that, when the crowd is there, you have to talk, you have to be on it all the time. And that's where with young guys, they've just got to understand that. It's got to be constant. Every single possession, every single handoff of every possession, every single screen. Um, and, and that just takes reps. It takes experience too, right? I mean, that's sort of like the championship mentality. And, you know, I, I want to get onto something. I, I want to pivot to something that based off something you said, but Mark Gasol talked about this after they won the championship, just how exhausting it was because you're every single moment every play every misstep everything you're you're basically doing calculation in your brain and you need to be on it in order to win the championship and obviously we got a little ways to go for that but those are the lessons right those are the type of lessons you mentioned the defense and one of the problems with the, with with defense was they're getting killed with defensive rebounding and a lot of that comes back to you know the raptors in the center position right i mean i think they're obviously feeling the pinch again with Boucher out of the rotation a little bit. 
Um, I think you got a DMP CD over the weekend. So yep. what's the plan moving forward? And, and can the Raptors, even if Boucher is, is sort of in the rotation, I, I'm not totally sure he helps in that regard anyway. Can the Raptors survive this season with a Precious and Birch tandem? Or do you see this as a situation that like, we need to do something, otherwise this is not going to go well? I do think the Raptors have to get help uh, because I think it's, it's just asking a lot uh, out of Siakam when he's at the five OG, if he's in there and at the five, um, especially Pascal, like he's just not equipped to play the five. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of times where you see um, it, it, that he struggles with it. And I feel like that's just putting him in a position to fail. And you're supposed to be putting your players in a position to succeed. And so whether that comes down to, you know, a deadline deal that you can find for say, you know, a Dragic plus whatever piece it might be, uh, then that's what you go ahead and do. But I I would like to see some insurance come in, um, in that regard. So, yeah, again, it does come down to where this season goes, right? Like, one of the biggest reasons I would say you need that insurance is Ken Birch's knee. Uh, and the fact that this swelling just keeps coming back, uh, the fact that it seems to be a recurring issue, that's where, you know, he falls out and the Raptors don't, just don't have the depth to deal with it. And, and for, for everyone listening, I'm just going to call out, right? This is not, I'm not going to be negative the whole time. Okay. But I yes, just want to call yes, out. No, 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 <laughs> no. I, I love this squad. Right. I mean, how bad it's looked the past two weeks. Like I feel kind of feel like the record should be worse. So we're okay. Right. It's we're funny okay. you say that every single time that Walder posts the, the, the score or the, the record at the end of the game with the two players, I feel like this team based on is like nine and 20, not nine and 13. Based I mean, they're three and 10 in their last 13. So it's very it, fair. It, I literally, every time I see it, I'm like, Oh, they're only nine. And 13. Wait, are they That's really that bad? I always think that. I'm like, oh, it's not that bad. They're three and ten in their last thirteen. I guess I'd never thought of it that way. Yeah, that doesn't yeah. make me feel great. But we are going to get positive. I promise. I promise. But back, it's coming. On the center position, though, there's some big performances we've seen from some big guys against the Raptors so far. Jaron Jackson last night, twenty-five, six, and five blocks, and a damn nice one on Scotty Barnes. Al Horford's corpse put up 17 and 11. Sabonis threw up a 23 and 18. And in the same game, Miles Turner threw up a 17 and 11. So this is clearly an issue. And again, as you mentioned with Birch, Birch's finicky knee, I'm not totally sure that the Achua thing is, is going to work. He's just not equipped for that. You talk about putting your players in a position to succeed. We've seen a lot of good from Precious. We saw a lot of bad from Precious. So that's what you get with a young player. So. Is this something you think they can, you know, Nick Nurse in his in his laboratory can scheme his way out of? Or again, is this just as easy as making a move? Uh any move they may they'd make would just be to address the short term. I don't think there's a long-term fix out there. So I I do think it would be worth a move if you're able to creep up, you know, if if you're seventh and you're right there to get to sixth and avoid that play. And, you know, that that's when I'd, I'd say, Hey, why not? Um, 
beyond that, you know, they might have some things to think about. Uh, but yeah, with with Kem Birch, I think you're just looking at a situation where if Kem Birch is the backup big, you're flying, right? That means you've got someone who's uh, a really good starter uh, in front of him, and then you've got him coming off the bench. And so when you force these guys into positions that's maybe just one notch above what their best optimal capabilities are, that's when you start to see, you know, injuries take their toll. Uh, and, that, and that's what we're seeing. But, you know, uh, I feel like the other thing I will say is in terms of the rebounding, I can live with some of the stuff that um, where you get bullied inside uh, off a, off a shot in the paint. And then, then it's just a battle of bodies. The stuff that has been tough to swallow is the long shot, long rebound, because that's not so much about size and strength anymore. That's boxing out your man. That's quickness to the ball. That's awareness. And, and the ball watching, even though they're young, the ball watching it gets really frustrating. You say they're young and they are, but they're not that young. Like they have, yes, Scotty's a rookie and Malachi's in his second year, but he just came out of purgatory. You know, yeah, it's Gary Trent's first year here. You know, he's a four or five year vet. Uh, Freddie's been around. Siakam's been around. OG, when he's in the lineup, he's been around. <clears throat> it, those are the types of things that come down to, and I was worried about, the, I was going to do a vibe check about the Raptors because right now the vibes aren't great. You know, they're, they're pointing at each other, hands in the air on the, on the, on the court, uh, having a little bickering, you know, conversations and things like that, which is fine. We miss here. Gary for that. Gary's a vibe king. Yeah. Well, <laughs> And you got, you know, the Scotty running out pregame and tripping right at home and falling there. But so let's say that the vibes get better. Things start to happen. They get their team back. They're going to win more basketball games, right? They are in my, I don't think they're this bad, right? They're not 12, you know, 12th, 13th place in the Eastern conference bad. Is there any name that comes to mind where it's like they're five, they're around 500. They're kind of in and around that play in. Is there a name that comes to mind where you're like, knowing you know this is He's- not reporting. No, this is not it's reporting. Not. This is no, like you're, you're, you're talking to a couple of guys at 835 at night. Just this guy would be a great fit at the center position because it's not like we're getting Anthony Davis. But is there anyone that you would sit there and go, you know what? He would be great here. We well, mentioned Miles Turner. Yeah. Is there anyone right. else? Yeah. Miles Turner would be fantastic. Uh, if we're thinking short term, I think counter to. Uh, what I've said about having a big man that can space the floor and shoot. And especially, you know, where all the Goran Dragic rumors seem to be directed, <laughs> Dwight Powell would not be a bad option. Um, and I think if you have a combination of Dwight Powell and Ken Birch, uh, you know, we ramp up that Canadian content. I think uh, that would be a nice duo for the Raptors to have. And I, I think that would be a functional uh, you know, five man rotation, uh, most times on the court. So, uh, that's a name that I, that I wouldn't mind seeing in a Raptors uniform, uh, in terms of any other stretch, big options. It's, it's a pal over back too, is that like that that's an above the rim guy. And also a guy who can sort of pass out of that short role, which is yeah. something that oddly enough, like 
they're, 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 Precious is going to get there. Like they got Ibaka there, right? Like if Ibaka could get there, that guy was point. the ball stop king yes. of the North. Yes. Okay. When he got yeah. here and then all of a sudden he's throwing, you know, by the time he was done, he's throwing dimes to the corner. So, you know, th- that coaching is going to come. I think that Powell is a really interesting name. I'm not sure how you get him now, though. I, I'm yeah. not sure that the that the Dragic um, you sort of value is there. But you you sort of had another guy in mind. Anyone else jump out to you? Um, not off the top of my head. I mean, I'd have to. So, so uh, actually, yeah, one one guy I think uh, that would fit the mold of what the Raptors need, and I think they might be aided by the fact that. Montrez Harrell has had a really good start to the season and Mont- mm-hmm. and uh, Daniel Gafford is really coming into his own of late uh, is potentially Thomas Bryant. And I think Ooh. that's someone who can stretch the floor uh, depending, you know, obviously it's a big question mark because he's coming off a big injury. Um, and so. Uh, that's a good one. Yeah. That's so I think one. depending on what he looks like when he's back, and if he's not able to fit into that rotation, it's like, hey, if you're the Raptors, why not, you know, try to get someone on the cheap that might be able to help you out and fit into what you're trying to do. It's okay to have one person taller than 6'9", Masai. It's, it's, it's allowed. It's not like against the rules right now. Just just wanted to point that well, out. Has to, the problem is the last one was Alex Len. And that experiment, <laughs> that experiment didn't go great. Didn't go great. No. Um, the, the other thing, I think this is more of a last night thing, right? So I don't want to get carried away. It was a tough watch, right? It was a tough watch. I think when Banton comes in, obviously he brings the juice and that, that always helps. But, you know, one thing I noticed last night is just guard play in general, right? And, and there are nights where Freddie's not going to have it. I think he was, what was he, six for 13 or something last night and one for five from three, something like that. Yeah. And definitely wasn't his best showing, but if anyone's, deserves the benefit of the doubt on this team. It's absolutely him. Definitely. Um, Gary's out. OG's not a guard, but he's out. He can, OG can do anything. Where do they, where do they go from here in that regard? Right? Because we never thought that a Raptors team would ever have an issue with guard play because we had one of the best for eight seasons and now he's in Miami. So the the reason I bring this up is because we're seeing a lot more of Malachi Flynn. So, so my question, my, my question to you is this, if Van Vliet doesn't have it and not everyone has it every night, that's not a Van Vliet criticism. Where can we turn for competent guard play? Cause the Dragic thing, I know Sean wants to talk about, he's not around the Flynn thing. I think he was a minus 13 last night, minus 10 versus Boston, minus 13 versus Indy. H- how do they manage? Because at the end of the day, you can have all the wings you want. If you don't have guard play to sort of set the table and set the tone, you're going to struggle. Yeah. I mean, I will say, uh, I think Malachi Flynn just needs more reps. I think he's a guy that can help this team at the guard position. I think, uh, especially last night against Memphis, there were shots that, uh, you would expect him to make. And in terms of the process, I think there were a lot of things that he did, right. But, uh, you know, it's just the execution that's, that's a bit lacking right now in terms of actually knocking that shot down, you know. And hopefully, hopefully that shot he knocked down with a minute and a half to go gives him a bit of that swagger and confidence, right, uh, to cut the lead down to five. Um, so Malachi, I do think, can help this team. 
beyond that, I think it's about just being creative. And so because of uh, Scotty's playmaking ability, I think he is someone that can sort of operate as the one. Um, I think in a pinch, Pascal can be in a similar role as well. So that's where you got to start searching then uh, if you don't get anything out of Malachi because Goran Dragic is uh, chilling in Slovenia. Um, and beyond that, you don't really have anywhere else to look. Delano Banton, uh, you know, I think he's been found out a little bit. Again, we talk about being able to bring that surprise factor to, to the table and teams not knowing what you're all about early on kind of worked out in his favor too. And now, you know, they're able you know, they're backing all the way off him. They're daring him to shoot. Needs um, a left hand too. And they're picking Yeah, exactly. They're, they're picking on that dribble too, right? They see it's not the tightest handle. So uh, that's another area where he's got to work on um, to really be able to help this team uh, going forward. It feels like with Flynn, right? He was sort of brought in as this pick and roll maestro guy. You know what I mean? You know, when you're playing 2K and like you get the pick and roll maestro badge, and then you're just cooking people in the pick and roll. That, that was sort of the Flynn playbook, right? And yeah, it feels like he's not playing a ton in that role. I, like, and again, that, that's strictly eye test. Maybe, maybe I'm missing something, but I, I, I'm just not seeing him play a ton to his strengths. I'm seeing him more sort of off ball catch and shoot type situations when, you know, cause when Flynn was cooking, it's, you know, pick and roll, maybe get to that mid range. Is that something that you're seeing too, or am I just crazy? No, you're right. You're right. And that, but that's kind of who they're asking him to be right now, because when you look down the list uh, of options to shoot the three ball and provide spacing Very right fun. now with, with OG and Gary out after Fred, <laughs> true, 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 true. Who right. are you not counting on? It's right. fine. He, uh, it was Fiji. No? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, and that's the thing, right? So Svi comes out the game, uh, you know, in the fourth quarter, and Malachi is playing those minutes that Svi usually gets. And why is that happening? It's because Dylan Brooks is all up in Fred Van Vliet, and they're saying, okay, let's get Malachi on the ball so that we can get some uh, action with Fred running off screens to get open, Right. Uh, and so I think with Malachi, he has a dual purpose. He can be the guy that handles it. He can be the guy that can catch and shoot. Uh, and obviously at the end of the day, he's got to make enough shots to be that catch and shoot guy, but he might be another guy that once those other guys return, just looks better. You mentioned Dragic and I'm not around the team. So I'm going to, I play armchair GM. So I look at this entire situation and from afar, this, to me, it feels botched from start to finish. They acquire this guy just to match money in the Lowry sign in trade. But I'm sitting here like, well, Dragic can be 75% of Lowry. He's a competent guard. He knows how to run an offense. He can, it was just in the bubble 18 months ago. This guy was the most, uh, most important scorer for the team that went to the finals. So I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay. That makes sense. He comes first game against Washington. Everyone plays terrible. He looked terrible. And then he's shipped off to Slovenia. So I'm sitting here like we had, I know that they were trying to trade him. We had what either is a competent veteran guard who could help in theory or an asset to move. And now I feel we got neither. So what, what happened here as someone who's around the team? I think they just 
realized they want to move in a very specific direction. And in terms of getting the reps out of guys that they wanted to prioritize, Goran Dragic was just going to get in the way of that. And yeah, they might want to win. Uh, they might want to compete every night, but I think they're still at the end of the day in that phase where it's got to come. It's got to be a bit of both. They have to be trying to win with the guys that they envision winning in the future with. And those lessons that come right now, again, we talk about hard truths. They'd rather have a Malachi or a Delano or a Scotty make a mistake and learn now sure. in a rep than have Dragic sort of maybe, you know, be the training wheels. And that, that, that was the biggest thing I said about Kyle Lowry moving on, right? The training wheels are off now. Those Kyle plus bench units are gone. Uh, those those times when you can depend on Kyle to sort of lift up Fred and Pascal, all of that's gone. So everything you're learning now about this rotation is a hard truth. And for fans, that's just going to be really difficult uh, to take in at times, but it's going to accelerate the learning from a front office perspective on what this team needs most. I think that's all totally fair. I, I think that's all totally fair because I, I sit here and I'm like, you know, then why keep them or whatever? But yeah, I mean, I, I think you're absolutely right. It's got to be the priority. So we, we mentioned we want to talk some fun stuff. So let's talk some fun stuff. I'm going to give you, I'm going to throw out five names and I am going to ask that you provide a grade for that player's performance thus far. Sound good? Yep. Hit me. Okay. All right. So first one, I think I know the answer. Uh, we've all been gushing about him on this pod, but I'm going to ask anyway, Scotty Barnes. You know, uh, as, as high as I've been about Scotty Barnes, I will give him a B plus. He comes down a little bit only because of the inconsistency he's shown of late. And I think uh, sort of trying to fit in a bit too much in that first half. And th this was one of the criticisms of him coming into the league, right? That he's unselfish to a fault. And now you've got these guys in the rotation. You can't be looking at Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet and OG Ananobi when he's back and Gary Trent Jr. and saying, oh, okay, I'll wait my turn. No, you've proven that you can very much be the guy on this team. So go ahead and be that dude all the time and everyone else can get in line and figure it out. And so uh, I'm going to be hard on him and give him a B plus. Uh, but I think part of that also is the defense. I, I, I think if you were to say, and, and, it, and, it, and it's a microcosm of the Raptors, right? Like you would have thought the Raptors defense would have been awesome and the offense would have been terrible. Right. True. And now when you look at this team, it's like, it's the opposite. And you look at Scotty Barnes and you say, okay, wow, the offense is way ahead of what we thought. The defense to me has not been as good as advertised. He has all the tools too. I'm confident he's going to figure it out. I'm sure you are too. Oh, no. I yeah, agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Fred Van Vliet, what's your grade? Uh, a plus. That, that's the guy I am highest Fair. on. He's been incredible. I, I don't think there's anything more that you could ask out of this guy. He is playing the most minutes. He is doing every single thing he can to help this team win. I don't think there's anything more he could be doing. That minutes quote was great. 
That was great. <laughs> and the beauty and the beauty of him too is that he's the first guy to get on the podium to take either to take heat to discuss social injustice to discuss um you know the good things that are going on with the team that is exactly the guy that's that's the guy I'm, I'm with you how about i know he's hurt but gary trent jr i will give him a solid b uh and I think, I think that is better than what I would have expected coming into the season, right? And I, I think coming into the season, I would have said Gary's probably somewhere as a C, C minus guy uh, in terms of what he's capable of, because I didn't expect much from him defensively um, and offensively. Uh, you know, I, I thought he had a, a ways to go in learning to function within the Raptors' offense. And I think he's found that balance offensively perfectly. It's he identifies when the Raptors absolutely just need him to go be a guy. And then other times he just waits for the shot to come to him. So I, I couldn't be happier with him on that side of the ball. Um, defensively, again, I think the steals and deflections are sexy, but uh, he could do a lot better positionally. Pascal Siakam. I'll say a C plus. Ooh, spicy. A C plus to a B minus somewhere around there. Um, and, and I would say again, that would be where I expected him to be coming off of surgery. Right. Uh, the, the real answer is probably incomplete. It's probably the fairest thing for him, but that's probably fair. That's probably fair. Um, but I will also say, you know, if, if, the, if this was five games in, I would definitely say incomplete. 11 that's games true. In, yep. That's true. I, I think, uh, We've seen enough to where, and, and I think part of the struggles too are things that I have seen before, even in the 2019 20 season where he was so great. Um, there were those nights where he just kind of disappeared or he wasn't into it or whatever. And we saw that against Utah. And, and I think when he talks about, uh, you know, being a leader, especially on the defensive end, um, that energy has to be there. I don't care if he goes four for 15, four for five for 20, but that intensity uh, and that commitment level has to be there each and every night as the guy. Yeah, You posted on Twitter last night and I, I thought it was, and I'm not just, I'm not just gassing you up, but I thought it was perfect. And it was, yeah, you are, but that's all okay. we like to get the ball there. swung to Pascal and he's at the top of the arc. And I think you're, tagline on it was this has to be a shot p and there's no one around it absolutely has to be a shot that that goes without saying do you think that's something that and i know we're getting off the player grades i promise we'll get back to it do you think that's <laughs> something that is going to that he's going to get back into or do you think he's gonna or, or do you think that this is something that he's gonna try gonna have to grapple with the whole year do you think that confidence is gonna come back I think the confidence should be there. I think part of why I put that out is like, I'm a little surprised that you didn't shoot when you're, you know, at 38, 39% on the year. Uh, and, and you've been shooting the, uh, the ball well to start the season. So why not shoot that shot? I think something that he's been a little bit guilty of uh, that Svi has, has been a bit guilty of is being a bit premeditated about what to do on the catch. And uh, 
with Pascal, I think there's times where he's got the catch and he's thinking, okay, I want a screen when he could just go attack or he could take a shot. Um, and then it allows the defense to settle a, a little bit in that moment. There was a three to take and he didn't take it because right off the bat, he's thinking I'm going to attack the basket uh, and blow by this defender that he's anticipating come to come coming to him when there's none. And then he just gets uh, himself into trouble and the, the, the offense just stalls after that. All right. Last one. We've talked about him a lot. We've sort of shit on the center position. We, we don't mean it. We don't mean it. Okay. Like they're coming along, but precious. <sighs> wow. Wow. Well, it's hard because what was the expectation? This one's hard. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just say a D, a solid D. Um, and I think again, part of this goes back to players being in roles that they're not best suited for. And if Kem Birch doesn't have to deal with COVID, you know, in preseason. Precious Ochua is not start, the starting center for this team. And I think at least in a bench role, things wouldn't look as bad as they have. Uh, and so there, obviously there, there's been the good moments. There's been that 17.3 quarter against Memphis. There has been flashes of uh, greatness, frankly, but it's been mixed with a lot of bad. And so this is a young guy who's probably got more to learn than anybody else. And so, yeah, for right now, you know, I'm not going to be too hard on him because he's been asked to do more than he probably should. So I'll just go with a solid D. Well, you've been really generous with your, your, with your time. We've got a couple more, um, a couple more quick yeah, things no we want to get This has been a blast. I'm, I'm really enjoying myself. Good, good. Hey, this is just you guys are, a couple, few guys talking. That's it. So you we guys like are doing. extremely reasonable. Uh, there's been nothing too crazy. Uh, so I'm, I'm having a blast. Don't worry about it. Well, speaking of crazy, we're, we're, you know, we're a podcast oh, we're about to go basketball. <laughs> so naturally we have to talk about Ben Simmons. It's just, right. we have, we don't have a choice. There was a cool thing going around uh, NBA Twitter the other day that showed 30 NBA players. Cause Daryl Morey famously said that he wants to star an impact player at top 30 guy for his team. So for the listeners of the podcast, we, we don't have YouTube. We do, we do one minute clips to, to tease it on social media and stuff like that. So you won't be able to see, but I am going to pull up the list so you can see it. And I'm going to read through some names for obviously the listeners. And the question Vivek Jacob is, if you were the other team who has one of these 30 players, who would you trade for Ben Simmons? Not who would Daryl Morey want? Because there's a lot of names on here that I'm sure Daryl Morey would want. The first five, obviously right here at the top. Well, I guess a lot of these are not happening. Jokic, Giannis. Curry, Doncic, Lillard, Trey, James Harden, Joel Embiid, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard. Those are the top 10. I'm assuming you're on board with us. They're not getting any of those guys. By the way, Portland no. could potentially have a meeting. A, a meeting? meeting? A meeting. A meeting. For Tyrese Maxey and like three other picks. All your picks, Maxey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I'm having a meeting. I, I don't know that I do it, but... I'm getting the crew together. We're getting the big boardroom. We're ordering in salads and, you know, pastries and everything else. And we're having a meeting. <laughs> you, do you agree, Vivek? Uh, yeah. I, I mean, the Dame thing is tough because just because of where he stands on the loyalty side of it. And I don't know if he's gotten to that point where he's ready to move on. 
you know, obviously Chris Haynes uh, seems to be his voice whenever he needs it. And the, the last we saw was that he wants to fight it out there. And, you know, you, you, a couple of guys lately who have been rewarded for their patience, obviously one to a greater extent than the other, Giannis. True. Uh, and then the other guy would be uh, right now, we're kind of seeing it with Bradley Beal. And, and you look at those two guys, I would imagine Dame is looking at them and saying, okay, if I can just stick it out, you know, maybe uh, they will swing uh, and do something. Do I think he's being loyal to a fault? Yes. Uh, I think, uh, I think he's done enough there. I don't think the fan base would hold anything against him uh, if he wanted to move on at this point. Well, yeah, I they shouldn't, but they're nuts. So I lived in Portland <laughs> for four years. They shouldn't, but they they're they're nuts. They're yes. nuts. But he's let's doing to, it all. Let's get to the next ten. And Ian, jump in if if Vivek calls anything out. You agree, disagree? Make sure you jump in here. The next ten: Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Jimmy Butler, Paul George, Donovan Mitchell. Kyrie Irving, Jason Tatum, Julius Randle, Rudy Gobert, and LeBron James. Anyone there, I think I said 11, but anyone there, Vivek, that you would trade for Ben Simmons? Yeah, Ky- Kyrie Irving, absolutely. Without question. Without <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, if Philly's <laughs> willing to take him on, I, I'm absolutely doing that deal. So uh, that would be the name there. Um, I think. I think there's an interesting conversation to be had about Julius Randle. Let's uh, go. <laughs> I think I that think, was mine too. You have to have a meeting. You have to. I, I, I think he's being found out a little bit. And last year, you know, when he was knocking down those long twos, those mid range fadeaways, I was like, man, he just doesn't seem to miss them. And now things seem to be, you know, the math always catches up, Vivek. It's, it it's always progressing to up. the mean. And and so if I'm looking at that team in terms of how to build the next, you know, great team in New York, which they've been trying to do for eons now, uh, that is maybe one way that you look. But at the same time, knowing Ben Simmons' history, I would not look at him and think that's a guy that's cut out for New York. No, very fair. No, I was, and I was battling with a, either the Knicks fans would fucking love this guy. If he's like 2019, 2020 Ben Simmons, because, you know, he's highlight reel. He's, you know, he's big time, but not shooting We're also assuming- quarters of a playoff series. They, they're not going to love that in, uh, in New York. At least Randall tried. I think we need, needs to be said, right? All of these names, right? When I'm talking about, you know, getting salads and pastries to, to talk to him a little, to, to have a meeting. We're, we're assuming that Simmons is in good health. Yes. Um, mentally, he feels good. Yes. He's playing. He's eager. Everything else, right? Like, that's that that part. I just want to make sure that part's clear. I think at this stage, you can't – at this stage, you can't trade any of these guys for him. I, and by the way, I'm in the mind – I would – if Phoenix was 20% worse, I would take a meeting on Chris Paul. I'm just saying, I know it's blasphemous. He's the leader. You're taking the leader of a team for who is proven not to be, but it's just, Chris Paul's like 36, man. Like, again, I would, I would have the conversation, but Phoenix isn't 20% worse. They're one of the best teams in the NBA and they just beat the Warriors when they didn't have Devin Booker. So um, again, Ian told me, uh, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't be blasphemous to Chris Paul. So we're just going to move on to the next, the final nine names of Vec. Chris Middleton, Bradley Beal, 
Russell Westbrook, DeMar DeRozan, Zion Williamson, Zach Levine, Drew Holiday, DeAndre Ayton, Bam Adebayo, DeMontis Sabonis. Are there any names here that you would trade for Ben Simmons? Russell Westbrook, absolutely. Oh, yeah. That's, I mean, call it into the league. Call that one into the league. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be a no-brainer. Uh, but beyond that, no. Right? Like, Middleton's too important to the Bucks because when it gets down to it, it's Middleton, Giannis, pick and roll. And you need that right? shot creation Beal, in the fourth quarter if you're for sure. He's their guy. Yeah. Beal is the guy who stayed. That's not happening. Um, Westbrook, obviously, Chow. I, I I think I think as great as he's been, I love Demar, and I think this. By the way, the new the rule changes of allowing things to be more physical has helped guys like Demar, helped guys like Devin Booker, helped guys like Kevin Durant. Well, Durant thrives anywhere, but that thrive in that mid range because that's the spot that's open now, right? Yeah. So all of that aside, I think the Bulls with Simmons are very spicy. But they have Lonzo and Caruso. I think what Demar brings to that team kind of the way that Middleton brings to the Bucks is so unique. Again, I probably would, I would do it too, but that dude's a bucket. And they already have two elite defensive guards. I, I don't know. Vivek, what do you think about tomorrow? No, Sean, I, I think you hit the nail on the head there. If you're the Bulls, if you're looking at Lonzo Ball uh, and saying, well, that's kind of all we need, right? Like he's giving us, Really great defense, and, and he's he able to knock down the yeah, three. Right, right. So, why give that up? And so, yeah. What exactly is New Orleans doing? That's and that's why I was going to bring this up, Ian. You made a great point before the podcast. Um, this is no slander on here, everyone, listeners. Like we love all these players. I'm sure are very fine people. Um, but if if David Griffin picks up the phone and it's Daryl Morey, and he says, Griff. You can have Ben Simmons, Tyrese Maxey, and a couple of uh, and two unprotected firsts for Zion. All my unprotected firsts for Zion. Yeah. Are, does does Griff? Are we bringing the Vivek? Are we bringing the pastries in? Are pastries coming know. in? That's that's what we need to know. Yes. See, I think the thing that's stopping that from happening is Mori Ball, and if if you look at you know, Ben Simmons and Embiid as a tandem. That is one thing. As soon as Maury got there, you looked at and said, okay, Daryl Maury's going to break this up soon. He's going to realize that's probably not the optimal fit. Um, and so why put Zion and Embiid together? Uh, that would be my big question mark around that. Uh, from a talent standpoint, yeah, that's a no-brainer. You would take on Zion and... Uh, I think if you're New Orleans, you would make the call because that situation, like it's, it's hard for me to see Zion lasting there uh, too long. He, he seems pretty open about talking about other teams, New York in particular. Um, and I think the first chance he gets, he's going to be out the door. So for me, if, if you're David Griffin, you're absolutely on the phone. But Daryl Morey, I don't know if he's biting at that one. So, so in that scenario, Zion is swapping gumbo for cheesesteak. <laughs> I, I, I got to say, it's, it, it, it's interesting. It, it's interesting. And by the way, you, you obviously trade Sabonis in that scenario, but Sabonis and Embiid makes even less sense than Simmons. Oh, yeah. So that's yeah, obviously never going to happen. Although S- Simmons and Turner would be fun. Um, all right, Vivek, you've been great with your time. Let's get, to the, let's get to the last segment. We call it quick hitters. So we're going to throw out 
questions. Uh, yes, no, pick the answer, just in and out. All right, you ready? Got it. All right. The biggest non-Simmons star that will be traded this season is blank. Um, I am going to say, I don't know if this counts, but I will say Christian Wood. Good one. Ooh, that like is that. a good one. I like that. I think, uh, I, yeah, I, I think as Houston sort of wants to roll into another tank job, they will probably look to see what assets they can get for him. Oh, it's the, it's the, it's the Sangoon show or Shangoon. Mm-hmm. That's the show yeah. we're, we're moving towards. You're granted one wish and can sit center court at one tennis event, Wimbledon or the U S open. Are you going to London or New York? I am going to New York. Uh, because I have already been to Wimbledon. Oh, very good. Go. So got your answer. There you go. Better shooter. Desmond Bain or Steph Curry. Desmond Bain or Steph Curry. Hmm. I'm going to have to really think about that. <laughs> Bain last night was cooking. That's why. I, I, thought, yeah, I mean, yeah, you, know you got to at least at least make it JV and Steph, you know. Then so I, that's, I, you know I, what? Yeah, there you go. God damn it, you're right. God damn it, you're right. All right. The best league pass team this season is blank. Man, that is a good one because – Because, you know, with League Pass, you always want to pick, like, the sneaky good team. Um, or someone hilarious. So I'm going to go with, with in terms of the sneakiness, I'll go with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Like I that. Think, I think Evan Mobley is just amazing to watch. I think Darius Garland is coming on. Isaac Okoro has got something spicy to his game. Uh, Jared Allen is just looking like an absolute beast of a center. Um, so Houston, that, Houston could have had him, by the way. Could just have. As a, yeah. yeah. So, so really quick then, you're obviously a Mobley guy. So if obviously, if you were to redraft the top five, does he go one? Yes, absolutely. No question. Agreed. Um, yeah, I love Scotty, but uh, I think Evan Mobley is absolutely sensational. Uh and he is exactly that prototypical, you know, defensive anchor big who has a lot to him offensively as well. Yeah, no, I think he's going to go down as, you know, one of the best bigs we've seen. Next person to win a major, Bianca Andreescu or Layla Fernandez? <sighs> that is you, a really good one. You can go uh, neither and just throw water on the entire country if you want. Hmm. Uh, I will go Layla Fernandez. I like that. Just because, you know, it's hard to pick between their games, but just because of my concerns about uh, Bianca's health, Mm -hmm. I'll go with Layla. It's a good call. Which surprise Eastern Conference team has the best chance of advancing to round two? or potentially even round three. You already mentioned the Cavs, but let's put in the Wizards, Hornets, and Bulls as well. So of those teams, who has the best chance in your mind of going to round two, potentially round three? Well, right now, I would have to say the Bulls because 
it looks like they would get home court and possibly, you know, face a weaker team. Uh, but I, I do really like the Wizards and what they've got going. I think Wes Ansel Jr. is doing a heck of a job. Uh, the defense that they're playing, you know, I'm, I'm glad to see the defense pick up to this level because I'm a Bradley Beal guy and I thought he was getting way too much heat for the last couple of seasons. Uh, in, terms of, uh, in terms of being a sieve defensively, but I think that's just part of, part of what happens when you're on a bad team. Uh, and I think now that, you know, they've got the right pieces around him and uh, they look coherent on the court. I think everything's coming together. And, and then again, you got a rim protector like Daniel Gafford. That makes a world of a difference. Okay, three more of it back. You, can, you have to pick one former Raptor to be inserted into this current Raptors team. Now, keep in mind that it's them as they, at their best as a Raptor, and they can't be named Lowry, Leonard, or Carter. Which former Raptor are you picking for this team? They might be undersized still, uh, but I'll go with Chris Bosh. Ah, I, I could sneak that one by you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it makes a lot of sense. That's the guy you put, you put him at the five and you know, the talent at first of all is crazy. Yeah. And and him spacing the floor, uh, you know, I, I think it'd be fun. Um, I'd love Gasol on this team too, though. I, I, I guess the one thing you, you did say best as a Raptor and, and so yeah, you're not getting that, the heat boss, you're getting Toronto. Yeah. So that three point shot hadn't really come along yet, even though, you know, the rebounding and scoring in general was there. Uh, so, so yeah, maybe, maybe then it is Marcus all. I mean, uh, I mean, keep Bosch. Let's we're have going, fun. we're going, Let's have we're some going, fun. we're going Van Vliet, Ananobi, Barnes, Siakam, and Raptors Bosch. I don't know, man. I don't know. That's pretty nice. That's pretty nice. Yeah. Still not a lot of shooting, but yeah, here we are. Two more. Sadder existence, a Tottenham fan or an Arsenal fan? Oh, Tottenham fan. Easy. Yeah. Easy. Raise your hand, Ian. Raise your hand. Very true. It's a, it's a hurtful existence we have. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, that's the thing, right? With Arsenal, as long as you've been a fan long enough, you still have uh, some really fond memories of the Henry and what true. those Arsene Wenger teams accomplished, right? If you're Tottenham, it's the nice moments that Gareth Bale had. Made King. the Champions League that final that one time. That was pretty sick. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was cool. That was cool. But yeah, Super outside cool. of that, slim pickings. All right, last one, Vivek. Anthony Edwards is the best in-game dunker since blank. Love me some Ant Edwards. He is nasty. So sick. Best in-game dunker since Blake Griffin. Like that. That's a good one. Yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. I, 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 you know, it's, it's funny. I feel like people forget about Blake Griffin. Like, man, that guy, when he was in the league, when, when he was putting down those dunks on Pau Gasol, and Kendrick every Kirk. single night <laughs> he was murdering somebody he was crazy and, and it's funny you know Duncan over that Kia almost like hurt him in a weird way because people looked at it, oh you know he jumped over the front of the car and yeah it wasn't it wasn't a spectacular dunk but that shouldn't take away from what he can do in game and the dude was absolutely nuts in game um and obviously away from the game in a dunk contest, Zach Levine is still there. So oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Vivek, I, 
And That's go, a good one. Do, yeah. do you want to, Ian, do you want to ask your follow-up? I have to say, who is the best current pro comp for Edwards? Because I think it's Levine, but Sean thinks I'm, I'm whack. I think he's I, further along than Levine was at this point already. Well, he's he's also like a jumping fire hydrant. So that's the problem, right? He's, yeah, he's he's also stronger. Um, so that's a tough one. That is a tough one because that strength and explosiveness, I think, is what makes it interesting. I really, hmm. I'm going to have to look at. Okay. Well, and I'll tell you this because it was brought up. I think uh, on the Bill Simmons podcast they had, uh, Waz was on and he mentioned he said Kobe. Now, not the IQ level of Kobe, but early Kobe with the athleticism and everything like that. I don't know. Is it T Mac? Uh, I think that's a good one. Now, obviously, the playmaking is night True. and day. Uh, so that would be the biggest difference. Um, but yeah, I, I think that would be a fair. I think Anthony Edwards is just Anthony Edwards. It this could guy, be. This guy is just he's, he's an like Jokic, just one yeah. of one. And don't lie, you would love to be in a press conference with that guy. Uh he might he might be who Ricky Davis wishes he was. Oh yeah, good. Ooh, that's, good. that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, that's Simmons Simmons said early Spreewell, pre-choking Spreewell, which which I thought was okay too. But Ricky Davis, who 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 Ricky Davis wishes he was. I love that. <laughs> I love that. And, and I love his press conferences. But Vivek, you've been very generous with your time. We want to get you out of here. Please make sure that you are following Vivek Jacob on Twitter. Make sure you're checking out his, his columns on raptors.com, cbcsports.ca, Complex Canada, Locked On Raptors podcast. Vivek, anything else you want to plug? Anything else, anything else you want to shout out? No, you guys got it. You guys got everything. And you guys are great. This was a lot of fun. Um, and, you know, I have a younger brother and we go back and forth with sports takes all the time. So to see you guys doing your thing is cool. Appreciate it, man. Thanks so much for listening.